The Perfect Ten. With Steve Allen, voice of the NRL and six-time Radio Award winner. Welcome to another edition of The Perfect Ten and the year is absolutely flying. I hope you're well in 2022. Our next guest is a Premiership winning captain with the Sydney Roosters NRLW side, Corbin Baxter. Her team, I mean, this is worthy of a Hollywood movie. They're down 16-0 against the greatest women's team ever assembled, the Brisbane Broncos NRLW side. They're a player down as well, so it's 13 on 12. Somehow, miraculously, they come back to win that game, then go on to win the grand final on Corbin's 28th birthday at Redcliffe 16-4 against St. George Illawarra. Corbin's represented New South Wales, the Maori All-Stars, so the New Zealand Indigenous side, and also the Gillaroos, where she's been a real stalwart and has played numerous positions since 2016, including winning a World Cup. So many people have told me that she's an extraordinary leader. So right now, let's hear from a couple of coaches to find out what makes her tick and what makes her so special in a team sport. Let's go to her Sydney Roosters coach, Premiership winning coach, John Strange. John, welcome to the podcast and tell me about Corbin Baxter. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Yeah, mate, Corbin's an outstanding player and leader. Yeah, obviously we we missed her dearly in the first couple of rounds. He was out with COVID and yeah, we struggled a little bit there, you know, because we we obviously needed to improve ourselves as a a team. But um, yeah, but the influence, of course, when she came back for the round three game against the Knights, it was there for everyone to see straight away. And straight away training when she turned up, she's just positive. She brought all the girls together. And um, and then obviously on the field, yeah, when she played fullback, yeah, she just very safe um, and very confident and, and really clear as well when she's um, giving directions and instructions to, to everyone, especially when she's out there defending and yeah, pointing the girls around. So... She's been there um, since the start as well with the club. She's a very loyal person and she took over from Samima Taufer in 2020 as the um, club captain. And from then on, she just has just led the way. So, yeah, she's just a, she's a born leader as, as a person. She's a, she's a great human being. She's never got a bad word to say about anyone. She's always positive um, or even the opposition or, or anyone. She just talks in a really positive light when she's communicating. So that just really galvanises, um, you know, her peers and, and everyone that's involved. So, and then, you know, when she's out there and she's talking uh, on the footy field, the girls just follow her because um, they know that she's also a, a tough competitor um, that leads with her own actions. So, yeah, she's just an all-round um, leader and, and great human being. Yeah. Is there a moment that stands out for you on the field? It's probably, there's there's a number of moments that have stood out uh, this year, but uh, what I will point out when we were, Playing that semi-final against the Broncos at Leichhardt Oval, and you know we were down obviously early 16-0, and and I know that yeah, assistant coach Kylie, our blue shirt, ran out there when the Broncos had scored their third try, and when she came back, I, I asked Kylie, you know, what's the feedback, what's the feeling, and she said, no, 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 Corbs just grabbed them all in, and and just sort of everything was positive, and just said, look, we've just got to stick to what we know, stick to the game plan, keep going forward together, and you know, and we'll be able to get on top. So. You know, and that was probably a, a key moment, you know, if she, as the captain, doesn't have that positive attitude and get all the girls together there, you know, we might not, um, the girls might not have dug themselves out of that, that sort of, that slump we were in early in that game. So that's, 
that's one moment that um, that really sticks out and you're probably a turning point in the season. Well, congratulations yeah. on winning the Holy Grail with uh, Women's Rugby League, the NRLW in 2022. And good luck later in the year when we do it all again. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Really appreciate it. Uh, the squad's coming together well and, um, yeah, can't wait to get into training. And thanks for having us on. John Strange, head coach with the Sydney Roosters. The Premiers in the NRLW, technically in 2021, but it happened just a few months ago at Redcliffe. Right now, let's go to the Gillaroos coach on the Gold Coast around Palm Beach, Corumbin. Brad Donald, good morning, mate. And also, can I get your thoughts on what makes Corbin Baxter an incredible leader and player, both on and off the field. She's been a leader from a very young age. Um, she's been she's someone that's been around our program since we were fortunate enough to take the reins in 2016, and just from that point, very mature. You know, a, a young mum and a young player that just played well beyond the years, and 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 she's just got that leadership quality. Very calm, very. Um, unassuming type person, um, excellent, you know, like basically everything that we ask for when it comes to to the values of, of being a Gillaroo, you know, respect, inspire, selfless and excellence are our, uh, our values and, and Corbs lives them daily. So, yeah, very, very fortunate to have her as part of our squad for so long. Tell us about Corbin as a player and also some of the combinations that she's formed in that Gillaroo squad over a long period of time. Well, she had a mortgage as a centre. If we go, if we go back a few years, it was, you know, uh, she basically had a, a mortgage on the on the centre position. She also plays has played fullback. She's can play in the halves as well. So so really one of the one of the great things that Corbs bring is is flexibility. And not once does she ever complain or um, you know get upset every time she gets handed a jersey it's an opportunity for her and um, you know a, a lot of the young girls coming through could really learn from somebody like like Corbs because she gets given the jersey she she works out what she needs to do as her job and um, and she's played all of those positions really really well up to you know state and national level. Have you got memories on a few of her finest games in the green and gold? Oh, just like defensively in the centres during the World Cup uh, and the World Cup final in 2017, nothing would get past her. She's so sound defensively. Um, you know, I've got really fond memories of, of, of her and a young fella after the game too, just just looking at across it, at her and just seeing what an inspiration she was for other young mums that have got sporting dreams. Um, so, you know, one, she played a hell of a game in the, in the World Cup final. Uh, the Kiwis are, are a big side and, and, and nothing got through her. And then to sort of see what she'd actually done for her family, for her young bloke and for everybody watching on, it's just amazing. Yeah, I'm about to mention to Corbin in a few moments, the Sydney Roosters put a post up on their Facebook page. And they mentioned the great captains that have won premierships. So you can imagine that Dave Brown is there, the late, great Arthur Beetson is there, Boy Cordner, Anthony Minicello. And now, alongside them, is Corbin Baxter. So a couple of questions for you. What about the way the Sydney Roosters have embraced their women's team and then they add Corbin to their honour roll? Yeah, look, that's getting it right. That's why they win the premiership. That's, that's getting... The introduction of NRLW right in a club. I, I know Corbs has actually been offered other opportunities in leadership through the Roosters. I think she's done some sprint coaching for Robbo and the men's side. 
um, and just takes it along humbly in a stride. But they see the value of diversity in their organisation. And, you know, just talking to anybody from, from Craig Walker who runs their program through to, you know, the players that play there, they really value uh, the the introduction of NRLW, they really value all the roles that all the women play in their organisation, and they are one club that's uh, that's really gotten it right. And, and no, uh, it's no accident that they won the premiership last year because of it. That is Brad Donald, head coach with the Gillaroos, the Australian women's team. What a year they've got lined up. At the end of the year, they're off to the UK and they'll play at Old Trafford, the home of Manchester United and looking to win the World Cup. So good luck to Brad Donald and his Gillaroos team. Just before we get to Corbin, special mention to Robson Civil Projects. Chris Dixon is joining us at the end of this podcast. He's involved in sales, development and also marketing with Robson Civil Projects, a third generation company and they are proud sponsors of the Perfect 10 podcast. One last thing we should do before we go to Corbin, let's relive some of the final moments of the Sydney Roosters NRLW side winning their first premiership earlier this year. The celebrations will begin at Bondi. Commiserations to the Dragons. What a season they've had, but take nothing away from the Premiers. Yeah, incredible. The call by Matt Thompson and courtesy of Channel 9. All right, let's go live to Corbin Baxter. Corbin, welcome to the Perfect Ten. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, such a pleasure and uh, congratulations on everything you've achieved. I I saw on the Roosters website, and I really love this, so... It's got a whole bunch of names. Dally Messenger, Dave Brown, Ray Steer, the late great Arthur Beetson, Anthony Minicello, Jake Friend, Boyd Cordner, and now Corbin Baxter as a premiership winning captain. How, how does that feel in 2022? It's um, it's pretty crazy. It's it's really just an honour. There are obviously some huge names and um, legends of, of rugby league that have been around for a long time. So to sort of, um, you know, etch my name in history alongside those, it's it's a little bit overwhelming, but something that's, yeah, very, very special. Do you love how the Roosters have embraced their women's team? And one of your heroes is in that list, Anthony Minicello. Yeah, yeah. The Roosters are such a, an awesome club, um, you know, from the first year that the NRLW kicked off back in 2018 they've opened arms to all the girls that have been part of the system um, from that very first year and yeah it's it's just felt like that second family that's a bit of a cliche term but it really has felt like that for me over the last couple of years being a part of it from the very start so yeah I love being a part of the Sydney Roosters family and yeah pretty cool Anthony Minicello he's always been you know um, a, a big idol of mine and yeah that I can be part of you know Roosters rugby league history is pretty cool. So even though you grew up in the Shire, were the Roosters your team because Anthony Minicello played for them? <laughs> Cronulla sort of have always been my team because I'm, I'm a Cronulla girl, but I always loved Anthony Minicello, mainly in the New South Wales Blues, but um, I did have that little soft spot for the Chookies. But obviously now playing with them, it's sort of, yeah, the, the passion there has grown a lot more. When you arrive at a great club like that, a legendary club, I mean, their foundation club, 1908, do you get 
a history lesson on what they've achieved and who paved the way? Yeah, the very first year when um, of the NRLW when it kicked off, Coach Trent Robertson of the of the NRL team he came in and yeah, just gave us a little bit of a, it was about a forty five minute session just about the history of the club and um, the area and 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 what it's what it means to be a rooster and that was pretty cool. We sort of he sort of um, went into the geography of it and broke it into the different areas of the east and and stuff like that. So it was definitely a educational lesson. It was um, really interesting, but I think we probably need another one because we've got so many new girls coming in and it's probably good for myself to refresh a bit of it as well. But yeah, things like that is stuff that you remember. Like that was, you know, the day one of when we got to the club and um, that's something that I'll remember forever. Yeah. Hey, uh, I just want to know, have you ever seen the movie Remember the Titans starring Denzel Washington? I have, yes. Great movie. Yeah, it's one of my favourites. <laughs> uh, I feel like we could start the Roosters story on the win against Brisbane at Leichhardt Oval. <laughs> uh, 16 nil down, 13 on 12 their way because one of your players is sent to the Simbin. How in yep. the world do you turn that game around? Oh, it was um, it was pretty wild, and it it feels like so long ago, and like I can't even remember it. it. Just sort of happened so quickly, but yeah, I just remember it being a bit of a grind when Olivia Higgins got sent off. I think we all just lifted, and and we knew that we weren't playing anywhere near our best footy. We had so much more to give, you know, not even just that game, but the whole season. People had sort of ridden us off, so I think just that underdog status and and wanting to prove people wrong sort of just it sparked in that moment, and. Yeah, to be able to pull back the the three-time reigning champs from 16-0 down in such a high-pressure game of the semi-final, it was um a pretty cool experience to look back on, but at the time it was um yeah, it was it was definitely very gritty and and it took a lot of hard work for sure. Yeah, I'd love to focus on leadership and also culture in this podcast episode because earlier I spoke with your coach John Strange and yeah. he said when you were down 16-0 he sent the trainer out and the trainer came back and said, Corbs has got this. So <laughs> I didn't know that. What were you saying to the group at that time? Because at 16-0 down, as you said, against the three-time premiers, a juggernaut in women's rugby league, somehow you steady the group and get the game back on your terms. Yeah, I'm definitely, I definitely try to be the the level head calm leader as much as I can. And we have some other girls like, you know, Isabel Kelly, Hannah Southwell, who are more the, the pump you up, get up you if you're, if you're messing up. So I think it was a good balance. It wasn't just me. It was, there was a few key people that really stood up at that moment. And um, I think the balance between that, it worked really well for us. Like being 16 nil down, I think even I, I'm, I'm known as the nice one and, and, and I'm always very positive, but I think at that moment, even I had to, you know, get up myself, get up everyone to to lift a finger because, yeah, we just were – we weren't playing great footy at all, but we knew inside us that we could be better and, and we could turn it around and that's just what I tried to instill in everyone, that belief that we could still do it. Yeah, and then you fast forward to the following week against St. George Illawarra and, I mean, you're down in that game as well, but suddenly Isabel Kelly, a moment of absolute brilliance and you guys – just stormed a victory at Redcliffe. And what a crowd. And the fact that it was your birthday as well is just amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was all happening that week. It was even just the week itself was 
really exciting, you know, grand final week. It's a big occasion and we had been there before, but um, I think there was a real belief in ourselves this year after coming off such a, a tough win the week before that we could do it and we didn't just win that game for nothing, that we had to finish it off. So we just made sure that we soaked up the week. We were up in Queensland and, yeah, although we're up there, you know, away from our, our usual home fans and crowd and family and whatnot, we could really feel the support and a lot of, you know, people came and watched and even though two Sydney teams in Queensland, so that, that their presence was definitely still felt, which was awesome. But, yeah, we just made the most of the week. It was actually quite nice being away from home because we got to spend, you know, the whole time in camp together. Usually if, you know, we're playing in Sydney, we'd probably just stay home and, and get together maybe the night before or the morning of, um, as well as trainings, obviously. But I think it, it worked for us to, to be able to spend some quality time together each week and just enjoy the experience and, and get around each other as much as possible. And yeah, leading into the game, we just felt really prepared. We felt confident. We definitely knew it was going to be a tough game. Dragons were definitely the form team all all season and we knew we were going to be up for a really tough one. But yeah, they scored that try early, the Dragons, and um, everyone just had a really calmness about them. I think obviously the week before we found ourselves 16-0 down. We knew we definitely didn't want to be in that position again, but to, you know, a bit of adversity was sort of the word of the season. So, you know, we were up for the challenge and we just kept our calm, even though we didn't score in that first half. We went into the second half with a lot of confidence and we created lots of opportunities and, you know, things just started to open up for us. And, you know, the likes of Isabel Kelly, she had, you know, one of her best games ever, um, put on a few points and and made some crazy metres like she did all season too. And, you know, all across the park, Sarah Togatuki, she got player of the match. She had a huge game. So it was just a really good a really good moment to see some of the girls step up and, and show what they can do because we didn't do a lot of that this season. But it's the nature of our competition, a really short comp, only six round games and a couple final rounds as well. So um, it'll be good. Roosters are definitely, the girls are known to build into the season. So it'll be good when we get a longer comp and we've got some more time to, you know, find our feet. Yeah, I'd like to talk about the evolution of the women's game and I'd like to talk about some of the star players as well. But when you arrived in Redcliffe that day and it was a beautiful afternoon in Brisbane and you look around the stadium and there's close to 10,000 fans in the house. Yeah. I mean, that must have been like a moment where you go... Wow, if you build it, they will come. And ratings went through the roof. Uh, congratulations to what you and some of the girls who are real trailblazers have done in the last five, six, seven years. Thank you. Yeah, it it really was a special year to win it. Um, you know, the first year that we had expanded from four teams to six, um, the first year that we played at the start of the year and, and we had our standalone grand final in Redcliffe and we had our own fans there showing up to, to watch us play. So I think it was a really awesome year to, to win the premiership. And, yeah, I remember running out. It was sun was out it was the most perfect day for footy we had packed out the stadium and the environment and, and the atmosphere was um just you know the the game day grand final vibes that you want and um it definitely delivered on that day corbin uh, i should just say i've shared some of your greatest moments uh as master of ceremonies for the presentation on a lot of occasions but uh renee oh, gartner yeah. did the one in redcliffe and uh did a superb job that afternoon. Hey, you came to the game fairly late. You were 
20 years old, is that correct? Yes, yes, 20 when I started playing. Yeah, uh, tell us some of the reasons why. Uh, were you a star in other sports at that time? Uh, I wouldn't say star. I grew up playing, netball was my main sport growing up and I played that up until I was oh, com- competitively until I was about 16 years old. Um, always thought that I was going to be a netball professional netballer but I had um my I had my son when I was super young at 16 years old and after I had him I just wanted to try something new I played a little bit of uh, American football which was um <laughs> really different but I enjoyed it. I played that for a couple of years and then play I found rugby league I didn't know that women played rugby league until um you know my sister-in-law Maddie Studden um she was playing for Australia at a test match in Wollongong so I went and watched and thought that's pretty cool I want to try that and then sort of signed up the next year and yeah the rest was history yeah that that is amazing so what position were you in NFL American football wide receiver Yes, I was a wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, because blister, yeah. blistering pace. And what about netball? Because I've had a long association with the New South Wales Swifts. So were you on that pathway? Um, so I made like the schoolgirls New South Wales team. And then that was about when I was 15 years old. And then I fell pregnant soon after that. So I would have liked to think that. I, I probably could have come back and given it a red hot crack, but... I guess life just sort of took me took me elsewhere. But I was, yeah, definitely very, very dedicated to it. And, yeah, I loved my netball. Yeah, was it John Lennon who said, life is what happens while you're busy making other plans? Um, so, I like that. <laughs> yeah, so you have a baby boy as a teenager, uh, which is just an incredible aspect to this story. So you're an inspiration to so many people. So tell us how that affected you. Tell us how you managed and... Were there times where you thought that the NRLW dream was just too hard? Uh, yeah, so I had my, my son Carter when I was pretty young. I, I'm really lucky. I've always had really great support. His father's a really good dad. Both our parents are very involved and um, and support as well as we both love our sport and any time that we had, you know, trainings or competitions and things like that, they were always willing to, you know, watch Carter and, and bring him along to support us as well. So I never felt like I was, um, you know, being held back and, and not able to, to have a full-on go at whatever sport that I wanted to, to try out. So I was very lucky in that aspect. Um, no, I never thought that I wasn't going to be able to do it. It is it is, it is a bit of a commitment. There, it requires a little bit of travel and whatnot. But, um, yeah, as I said, great support around me um, and they were always willing to to help out. So, um, yeah, super, super lucky. Yeah. When are you first recognised? Who's the person and what happens next? My very first year I played with the Helensburg Tigers because that's where all my touch mates were playing. Um, Sammy Bremner, Maddie Studden, Alana Ferguson, um, they were all playing there. So I went and joined them. And then – we had a we had a really cool coach who's just actually like one of their mates. He was um, a local guy and involved in um, nippers and and surf life saving and things like that. But he was a great coach and he actually was was super supportive. And even though I was quite fresh, had a lot of belief in me and um, and was a really great first coach for me. I actually um, you know look back and and really appreciate his role that he played in my rugby league journey. But Pretty much that year, I believe, I was lucky enough to be um, seen by Matt Head for the New South Wales side for the Interstate Challenge, it was called back then. So that's, I guess, what sort of opened me up and sort of from there I was, you know, lucky enough to flow on to Australian Jillaroos and and things like that. So I'd probably say Matt Head from um, the New South Wales Blues back in 20. 
15, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, he's a great player too, Matt Head. And if the grand final in 2022 is huge for you, I, I think the biggest win early in your career is when you defeat Queensland after 17 years. And I know you've spoken about that a lot in the past, but what a moment that is. And you win the dominance of the Maroons. Yeah, that that was a huge moment and definitely a highlight of my career. I remember the first year I played for New South Wales in the interstate cup even that we, we considered it state of origin but it was just called the interstate cup challenge um we had a draw with them for all in townsville so that was you know sort of that first stepping stone to be like hey we we didn't get beat um next year let's go one better and, and beat them so the next year we played seba stadium i think it is in um in queensland and got the win i remember it being the toughest game of my life it was hot it was tough there was some big hits and yeah, to get that win, it was pretty crazy. We, we'd, we'd never beaten them before. It'd been 17 years in the making and to be a part of that group and, and, and to make history was, um, yeah, awesome. So if you're one of the great leaders now, and we'll talk more about that as the podcast unfolds, who were the leaders in that team that defeat Queensland for the first time in 17 years? Yeah, they were your Ruan Sims, Beck, <laughs> um, but those girls, you know, they were they were leading the way back then. They were the experienced players. Eliana Walton, I think she ended up clocking 10, 10 New South Wales games under her belt by the time she stopped playing as well. So they were the girls leading the way. And, um, yeah, like it, it's nice to look back to those times because you sort of take them for granted with everything going on now. But they were, um, yeah, some really – some really special times to look back on. What about your uh, Jill Aru's debut? Are those memories vivid for you? Yeah, uh, I remember. I think the first time I pulled on the Jill Aru's jersey, we uh, that was back in the Auckland Nines days. Um, the very first year, I think we we end up losing the series two to one against the Kiwi Ferns. So back in the Nines, it was just Jill Aru's versus Kiwi Ferns. And then the next year, we ended up winning it, which was pretty cool. And playing my first Test match. Same again. It, it took a little a little while to get some wins on the board in my Jillaroo's jersey. I think we I, we lost the very first test, test match I played, but the following years we started becoming a bit more dominant and um, have won quite a few in a row. But probably the most memorable moment in my Jillaroo's jersey is the World Cup. Um, to be able to say that I've played in a World Cup and, and won a World Cup grand final is something that not many people can say and something that I hold very close to my heart. Um, we played in Queensland um, in the grand final against the Kiwi Ferns um, and it was a very, very tight game. Another really tough one that I remember lungs beating, heart beating out of my chest. <laughs> but um, I think we won by a field goal at the end with Caitlin Moran kicking it for the win and we would just run off our feet. But it was, yeah, the best feeling lifting that, um, that World Cup trophy up the Jillaroos girls had won it the previous World Cup two, four years before. So we've gone back to back and, um, yeah, that was um, a really cool experience as well. Hopefully we can make it a three-time champions at the end of this year as well. Yeah, love it. Uh, it sounds like you've ticked almost every box. Uh, I, wonder, <laughs> I wonder what's left to achieve. I'll ask you that a little bit later on. You do a lot of additional work. So you run your own business. Uh, I'd like you to tell me more about that, but you also do work with the Rooster's legendary sprint coach. When I, I started doing some sprint training, even before I started playing rugby league, and I just loved the training, how it made me feel. And that was with um, a really great sprint coach, Roger Fabry. And then from there, um, I just sort of got involved in in coaching and learnt from him just through doing the sprint training myself. Um, and then it's sort of just flown on from there. I, 
I think it's some of the best training that you can do. And I think, you know, speed kills. Everyone knows everyone wants to be fast and, and that's pretty, um, you know, admirable on the field. So if you're fast, you're, you're usually going to go pretty well. So, yeah, that sort of led me down that direction. I've just, you know, morphed that into, you know, speed and agility and some skills coaching. And that's sort of what I do in my business, CK Athletic Development, um, with my business partner, Kiana, who's also my best mate. So, we're really passionate also about women's rugby league. So we, we love doing some stuff specifically for the girls. Through In the holidays, we, we do a few clinics that are just for them because I know when I was growing up, there was nothing like that. Um, and even if you do boys and girls, sometimes the girls may not feel as comfortable. So we just try to dedicate a couple of clinics each holidays for just the girls. Um, and then we also run weekly programs for um, speed and agility and we also do a footy skills program too. So at the moment that's just in um, our local area in the Sutherland Shire, but we're hoping to um, branch out a little bit and, and get into some other areas around Sydney too. But, yeah, something that we're really passionate about and we want to continue to grow for sure. Yeah, and you can see the uh, sprint training definitely paid off. I, I think you raced away at a core stadium or Stadium Australia in a grand final against Brisbane chased by Taran Aiken. Actually, we might roll in some commentary from uh, Channel 9 just to relive that moment. 11 out now. Can the Broncos find another try? McGregor to McGregor. They're on the wrong team, though. Corbin McGregor racing away. Aiken chasing. Corbin might have a bit too much speed. She does. She goes 100 metres and scores. That audio courtesy of Channel 9. Let's get back to business. After that game, after the loss to Brisbane, now, I really believe you can judge character on a loss as opposed to a win. And you posted after that match, after a grand final loss, not the way we wanted to end the season. For now, we learn from it and fill our minds and hearts with all the positives and special memories we can take away from the NRLW season. Bonds are stronger, the competitiveness is evident, and the culture is building. This has been a year of perseverance and growth for the Sydney Roosters family, and I absolutely love being part of this club. Now, for me, there's so many elements in what you posted on social media, so positives, bonds, culture, and family. Can you explain where all of that comes from for you? Because that's after a loss, but really it's a stepping stone to the greatness that you've achieved in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. I think... That was a build-up of, you know, that was our third season. We had, you know, been building from the very first season and although we hadn't really been playing great footy on on game day, there was so much good that was coming out of all of our time together through pre-seasons, even throughout um, the competition itself. That There was so many positives, especially that year, I think, was probably our first year that we started to make a mark on the competition as being real competitors to to hopefully take out the Broncos. It didn't end up going that way, but there were some really positive signs there and I think that group in particular could feel it and we were building um, and we were creating a really good culture and, you know, things were just, yeah, it was it was a learning experience and, and we were getting better and we were improving and it really felt like we were, we were making really good bonds and, and just getting to know each other better as well off the field, which, you know, on the field is, is only positive too. So although we, we didn't get the win that year, there was so many positives that came out of it. Um, the pr- years prior, I think we only got one or two wins in the first season and then we, we didn't get any in the second season. So we started that 
third season really strong. We played some really great footy and um, it was starting to show on the field. Although we couldn't take out the Bronx in the final, there was some good stuff to come from it. So I was really excited for the next season to come around quickly and hopefully we had a, a good core group of girls that could stick together so we could just keep building and not have to start from scratch. Obviously with COVID that, that didn't happen and it got pushed back to the next year. But, you know, just that perseverance that that core group had to, to stick in there and stay with the club was really cool. And, and you know, inevitably at the end we, we got the result and, and we stuck through. And, it, and I think that's what sport's about, you know, adversity, persevering through the hard times. When people ask me about our grand final win for the 2021 season, I always talk about, you know, the adversity that we'd gone through, not only that season because, you know, we started poorly, but the three years before that. And it was a, it was not just a one-season journey, but, you know, a four-year journey. And I think that's what made holding up that trophy that much more special. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to remember too that when the NRLW first kicked off, you actually missed the start because of injury and the resilience that players need to pick themselves up and go again. I think one of my favourite actors, Denzel Washington, he's got a speech where he says, fall down seven times, get up eight. Is that his one? Yeah, that's his one. That's a good one. That's a classic. One of the sponsors of the NRL is EIS Super and they released a video of the business of footy and you're on there and you talk about feeling that you're not good enough and the feelings that you've got in a male-dominated arena. But do you feel like that's changed? Has has yeah. kind of the dial shifted? It definitely has. It definitely has. And there's still some work to do, you know, I guess getting to, to real equality. But I think it definitely has. The women in general, like you see it across many sports, things are definitely improving and, and there's lots more opportunities for, for women. But um, I'll just speak on behalf of rugby league. I think that we're being recognised. We've done the hard work and we've proven that, you know, we're worthy of, you know, more attention and, and greater opportunities. And I definitely think that it's getting better. We, we um, the NRL are, um, have done a really good job at recognising us as have, you know, all the clubs being a part of the Roosters. I can't speak for the other clubs, but I feel extremely valued as a female athlete and NRLW player within the club and that we are extremely looked after. And I think it's just going to get better and better. Obviously, it's going to take some time um, until, you know, things are, are totally fair and equal and that's part of the journey and that's okay. But, yeah, it, it's really exciting because, you know, we want to look at things like making rugby league a, a full-time professional opportunity for women. Hopefully it's not too far in the future. I hope that's really soon. But as I said, it, it's just going to take a little bit of time and a bit more work and to make it, you know, sustainable and, and, and to create to continue to create opportunities for our females. Yeah, that is a fantastic answer. We need to put that in some kind of time capsule. Hey, <laughs> the NRL Future Leaders Internship Program, you're part yes. of that. Can you tell us more? Yeah, so that was a program that the NRL brought about um, a couple of years ago. I was lucky enough to be a part of the very first internship program alongside Dean Hallitau and Mick Green. So pretty much it's a program that, you know, is giving people opportunity to work within the NRL, get an idea of how the how the NRL business runs um, behind the scenes. So we got to spend, I think it was four weeks with each part of the business. So um, we got a taste of all the different different sectors of the NRL and then 
we got to choose what we were most interested in and could spend some extra time in that sector. So it was a it was a really great opportunity. I enjoyed every minute of it. Um, I learned so much and. Yeah, just to, to see, I obviously am a player, so I know, you know, how the NRL works, you know, on field, obviously, and, and being a player, that side of things, but to, to look at the business and see how much work goes into, you know, what we see on the field is, um, it's pretty eye-opening and, yeah, a really great experience. That went for about two years in the end. It was supposed to go for one year, but because of COVID, um, sort of got paused and then restarted. But, yeah, a really um, great opportunity that I got to experience. Hey, so you might work alongside me, announcing for the NRL. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, can you tell me about representing the Maori team? That yes. would be incredibly special for you. Born in Auckland. Yes. Yeah, yep. So I was born in Auckland. I moved to Australia when I was three years old with my family. Um, yeah, so I I do sometimes say back home and talk about New Zealand, but I, I do call Australia home. It's it's all I know. I've grown up here. All my family's here. All my best mates are here. So I definitely do call Australia home. And yeah, playing for the Māori All-Stars was a really cool experience. My, I debuted um, three years ago and then was lucky enough to captain them for the last two years. And it's a it's a really cool experience. I, as I said, I consider myself quite Australian. So growing up, my parents, so my mum is a Māori and my dad's a white Kiwi, so he's what you call a Pākehā. And my mum my wasn't actually taught Māori at school. So that wasn't passed down to me as a result. So I I didn't grow up really learning anything about my Māori heritage, which um, is, is kind of sad, but I, I definitely do feel like I've missed out on it. But being able to go into those camps um, where, you know, I'm exposed to ladies that actually live in New Zealand and were brought up with it and are immersed in it um, and to be able to sort of learn from them. I'm still learning. I'm still very fresh. But um, it's such a great week and, and you know, a couple of weeks because we get to spend a bit of time together in camps and whatnot mm-hmm. to just be with them and, and learn from them and learn more about, you know, my culture and, and how beautiful it is because, yeah, being a, a Māori is such a special part of me and something that I love to recognize and and I appreciate a lot too so still it's a journey I'm still learning uh, but I've got a long way to go for sure. Who are some of the women that drive that culture? You're Crystal Rotters so she's a a warrior she played for the Newcastle Knights this year actually but she's she's um, a Kiwi fern as well um, and someone who she she was the captain she was she was the captain the first year that I played so I really looked up to her the second year the Kiwi based girls actually the New Zealand based girls sorry weren't able to play due to COVID so that's sort of how I think I landed my captaincy there so yeah I, I, I tried to you know learn as much as I could from her but we really missed those girls that year and, and their presence because you know they're the the OG girls that were really leading from the front from a cultural aspect but yeah when when you ask that definitely Crystal Rotter comes to mind first. Yeah Corbin now uh, just before we wrap up uh, I've just got a few more questions but I'd like to go inside the mind of a player so could we do just very quickly some word association or name association? I'll name the player and I want you to tell me immediately what your thoughts are of them as a player. They're great strengths and also maybe something about them off the field as well. So we'll yep. start with possibly, arguably, the GOAT, Ali Brigginshaw. Leader, confident. She's very relatable to, very open trailblazer I think she's someone who has a lot of pressure on her shoulders to to speak up for the girls but is always 
courageous and confident enough to to be the voice of many. Yeah, by the way, my people have been talking to her people. We've had lengthy discussions and hopefully she'll be on this podcast sometime soon. Next up, someone in the forwards, Steph Hancock. History, she's just been there for such a long time and and still um, leading the way. I I think she retired about at the World Cup back in 2017, but she's still going strong, resilient and also just an awesome leader. Gold medalist from Rio, Charlotte Caslick. Dynamic. Just great footy head and vibrant. Yeah. One of your teammates at New South Wales and Gillaroo's level, but an opposition player on grand final day, Kezi Apps. Kezi Apps, also a great leader, positive, someone that you feel like you can go in and talk to and chat to. I think just a, a really warm person and um, someone who can just get her job done and nail it. Yeah. Plays in your position, I think from Rockhampton originally, a try-scoring machine, Tamika Upton. Oh, I think she's the future of the game. I would almost call her the GOAT. Yeah, just a really exciting player. She's someone who I think is, um, I don't know her very well off the field, but just seeing the crazy stuff that she can do on the field, I think she's going to be around the game for a long time and she's one of the best, you know, footy, she carries the best footy skills at the moment. I don't think there's anyone who's more skillful than to make Upton. Yeah, wow. Uh, they call her Honey Bill uh, because she's <laughs> such a superstar in New Zealand. Honey, do you want to say her surname, how it should be said? Uh, Hitomi? Yes. Beautiful person. She's also such a great leader. Um, I haven't met her on off-field properly, but just been around the game for such a long time, knows it inside out. And, yeah, just just a, a, a great woman of the game. Okay, two more players. One of them's a New South Wales teammate of yours and yeah. moving from Brisbane to Newcastle. I think we all love watching her on SAS Australia, Millie Boyle. <laughs> oh, workhorse, tough as nails. She's just someone who you can rely on and or off the field the best human ever she'll make you laugh with being around her for a couple seconds she's hilarious and loves a story yeah and a lady who plays alongside you with New South Wales went to Parramatta this year and played her heart out what a player Samima Talfa oh also workhorse she's got a hard head she's always coming off the game with (laughs) stitches and blood but she'll put her body on the line and um yeah a great a great leader also yeah final name and it's not a player brad donald oh oh he's someone who's really special to me i feel like he's he's had a lot to do with myself as not only a rugby league player but a person every time we go into the jillaroos campaigns um just his presence he's so warm but you 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 learn so much from him and he's just all about growing his his players as people first and players second. Yeah, he spoke to me recently. He was on the Central Coast for a coaches conference and he spoke about the women in the Gillaroos have driven the culture and that it had to change. I think you guys have done a superb job. A couple of final quick questions for you. Now, I mentioned about social media earlier. I have noticed you dancing on shoulders. So what do you what do you love more? Is it rugby league or six sixty? <laughs> <laughs> Don't give me a question like that. That's a tough one. No, definitely rugby league. 660 is a very close second though. <laughs> yeah. And a very good friend of mine who's involved with the Roosters, he actually said to me before the podcast, he said, Corbin is one of the greatest leaders that he's seen across any sport, male or female. So who are the leaders that have inspired you? Who are the people, the mentors 
that have kind of shaped who you are? Uh, I definitely think Brad Donald's one of them. He's sort of been there from the start and has shown me how to lead. I've been lucky enough to play in a lot of teams alongside Ruan Sims and I think a lot of my style comes from her. She's she's just a woman of, you know, great inspiring words. She makes you feel something, but she's just got a real positive energy about her and I think I try to draw that positivity from her as well. And I've got a, a really good mentor outside of footy. His name's Justin Lang. He's he's the son of Johnny Lang actually and he runs a gym, but I just go to him for advice on footy and, you know, my body and, and making sure that I can, you know, be my best person mentally and physically. Um, so, yeah, Justin Lang as well. Yeah, I just realised we actually spoke off the air about Isabel Kelly, but we haven't spoken about her on the podcast. And yes. she was one of your bridesmaids at your wedding, uh, which was, yeah. just looked gorgeous. And, you know, what a beautiful young lady, great family, had to overcome quite a lot of things outside of footy, uh, losing a mum at a young age. And uh, yeah. she's someone that we both really love. Yes, love Izzy to death. She was my first my first roomie when I first played in the New South Wales team. And I think from there our friendship was just yeah rock solid. From there we just have been best mates ever since. We've played pretty much every every representative team together and, you know, roosters together and, and we've been through a really good journey together. And, yeah, I, I've got a really special place in my heart for Izzy. She's such a strong person um, off the field and, and on the field, obviously. We get to say that all the time. But, you know, she, she's gone through a lot and, and she just continues to show up and, and be her best self. So, yeah, I adore her and, and everything that she does on and off the field. Yeah, and speaking of Izzy, let's roll in the incredible try from the NRLW Grand Final, one of the best of her career, a former Golden Boot winner and one of the absolute superstars of the competition. Racing McGregor. Isabel Kelly, he'll set, set it for the line. Isabel Kelly with the try. They'll put the Roosters in France. Isabel Kelly with her try in the NRLW Grand Final against St. George Illawarra. What a try it was, and it really did turn the game in the Roosters' favour. So you and the Roosters girls, you've sat down, you've watched the grand final, you've analysed that, and that's on the Roosters' website, which is excellent to watch. Yes. How do you start yeah. planning? How do you start planning to go back to back in 2022? Uh, yeah, it's um, it, it's going to come around quickly. At the moment, we're in our in our um, state competition, so we're focused on that. But you know, it's a very unique year that we're playing two NRLW seasons in one. We've got that on the back of my mind, and it's just number one. I think about keeping our bodies healthy and 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 making sure that we can get through the year injury free. And I think a big key is trying to keep as many girls together as we can. We sort of, I guess, have, have built over the years as we spoke about, but obviously the start of this year um, we had the team for it. I think it's trying to keep as many together as we can and just, yeah, spending more time together, working on things on off the field. But when, when you win, you, you learn what it feels like to win and you just hopefully that can flow on into the back end of the year as well. Hey, Corbin, it's been uh, such a pleasure chatting to you. I've loved everything you guys have done as a collective group to drive Women's Rugby League forward. And you personally, as a leader of that team and every team you've been a part of, congratulations. So awesome to have you on the Perfect 10 podcast and best wishes for the rest of this year, including when we do it all again with the NRLW later in the year. Yes. Thank you, Steve. It's been a pleasure being on. Thanks so much for the chat. I really enjoyed it.
Corbin Baxter on the Perfect Ten, the captain of the Sydney Roosters NRLW side, the Premiers, after defeating St George Illawarra on Corbin's 28th birthday. And what an inspirational leader she's been on and off the field. Thanks also to John Strange, her Roosters coach, and also Brad Donald for joining us, the Gillaroos coach, on this episode of The Perfect Ten. And Corbin, not surprisingly, one of the superstars of the game, has just been named in the New South Wales team for the Women's State of Origin. That'll be played at GIO Stadium in Canberra on June 24. And that's followed by the Men's Origin 2 in Perth on the Sunday night, June 26. The Perfect Ten, brought to you by Robson Civil Projects. And right now, something special. I mean, they've got projects going on right around New South Wales. Joining us is Chris Dixon from Robson Civil Projects. He specialises in business, development and also marketing. Chris, good morning. Welcome to The Perfect Ten. Thanks, Steve. Much appreciated. Chris, uh, today's episode with Corbin Baxter, a lot of the conversation has been around leadership. Can I ask you about the leadership team at Robson Civil Projects and as well as Grant Robson, there's so much DNA in the company. Can you tell us more? There certainly is. Um, you know, the board of directors starts with, with Peter Robson, Grant's father. Um, we have Mark Robson, Grant's older brother. Grant's son is in the business as a, uh, a mechanical fitter. We see Grant's daughter in here a lot um, doing uh, all sorts of administrative functions and, and, and playing a major support role. Melissa Robson, Grant's wife, is here. Kerry Robson, Mark's wife, is here. So that the family connection runs deep and there's people that have worked at Robson's that are they're still here now that have been here for 40-plus years. And it it is a, a family business run by an amazing group of people. We just keep uh, keep getting better and better. Can you give us a snapshot of Robson Civil Projects in 2022? So every podcast I say that Robson Civil Projects, they're based on the Central Coast, Sydney, Newcastle, and now Dubbo. So logistically, it's just a huge operation. It is. Close to 300 people, 150 items of uh, company-owned plant and equipment, everything from big D11 bulldozers down to site dump trucks and bobcats. So getting that moved around the place and, and people in the seats is uh, a, a massive exercise. And we've got uh, a resources team and, a, and our own workshop and mobile mechanics that get that arranged for us and get us moving. Chris, what are some of the exciting projects in 2022? A large uh, tailings dam project for a gold operation out in Dubbo. Uh, that will take nine to 10 months to build. Um, we're moving over a million cubic metres of dirt and we'll have... 25 pieces of equipment and 30 people out there very shortly running that project. Some large mining infrastructure projects in the Hunter Valley for a, for a new underground coal mine. So we're, we're looking at access and entry roads, overland conveyors, underground portals. And, you know, there's three, 400,000 cubic metres of dirt to move. And again, you know, multiple bits of machinery and, and specialist people and engineers to run those projects. So. What about Sydney? Uh, I remember we did a video a few years ago just off the M7 and it involved Amazon that was going into a business park. What about the operation down there? Yeah, so that uh, that project was um, completed in full on time, uh, on budget. Uh, it was a road and bridge project. And we've, we've since, uh, in Sydney, we've since completed a, a major project for Downer in building the new asphalt plant for them at Camellia near Rose Hill. Uh, and we're about to start a, a large road and intersection upgrade project at 
at uh, Memory Road in Kemp's Creek. So, uh, and the, the tenders just keep lining up, mate. There's uh, plenty of work out there for everybody. Yeah, well, I did see in the Daily Telegraph in Sydney today that there's talk about infrastructure, about smaller projects. Instead of those huge infrastructure projects that take years to complete, maybe the New South Wales government is looking at a lot of smaller projects, which could work in your favour. Definitely. Yeah, we're not a tier one contract and we don't, we don't want to be. And those smaller more specialist projects are, are really in our wheelhouse and we'd love to get our hands on some of those in Sydney, that's for sure. Yeah, Chris, tell us more about Dubbo. So is that, at the moment, one of the huge growth areas for Robson Civil Projects? It is. That uh, we, we, we have an operation out of Mudgee as well where we've got 60 or 70 people um, working in the, in the coal industry out there doing mining infrastructure projects. And then Dubbo uh, and the Irana region, the general central west region, has something like $15 billion worth of infrastructure works ahead of it. And that's everything from roads, mining, rail, the inland rail going through parts of uh, the region, obviously right down through parks and up through to Narrabri and then down into Brisbane, obviously. So massive infrastructure projects, renewable energy zones, wind farms, solar farms, and we're hopefully, we're coming to town at the right time. And we opened the office in Dubbo in October last year. And I think at the moment we've we've probably got 25 to 30 employees out there and and, and looking for more projects all the time. So it's, it's a real growth corridor for us, yes. So Chris, with all these projects, who are you looking for in 2022 from a staff perspective? Well, right across every section of our business, uh, mechanical fitters, plant operators, civil labourers, and then we go through from, you know, we have an, an undergraduate program. So engineering students at university who are nearing the end of their time, we give them opportunities to come into the business and, and, and get hands-on experience. Um, site managers that run our projects, site engineers, project engineers, and then up to project managers. So we're Every part of our business at the moment is in need of some form of additional people, human capital into the business. So it's a major a major area for us. We've got some real robust recruitment strategies and, and we're putting them into place. So what do people do if they want to be a part of Robson Civil Projects? They would go to our website or our social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook, and follow the prompts. And there's uh, our jobs, jobs at robsoncivil.com.au. I think one of the guys that was nearing the completion of his university degree is Mitch Robinson, who's on the Australian water polo squad. And, you know, and that's one thing he loves about Robson Civil Projects. I think the business has been flexible around his sporting commitments. A hundred percent. We, you know, as I said before, a family run, family value business. And, uh, you know, if we don't allow our staff those opportunities, then they will go and find them elsewhere. So, you know, there's, there's quite a number of people that are here that, play sport, do all sorts of extra activities with their families and, and we afford them that opportunity. So, and that, you know, work-life balance is very important to the family and, and to this broader business. What are you most proud of any time at Robson Civil Projects? Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> that's what I specialise in, mate. That's why yeah, we're on, yeah, no, on the yeah. big bucks at the Perfect 10. Yeah, that's it. Um, look, we are, I'm very proud of our evolution in our social media platforms and what we've been able to achieve there. Um you know, growing from just over 2,000 followers in April last year to nearly 8,000 on LinkedIn right now. Um, we're about to go live on a new website. It's been a massive project. And the move out to Dubbo was was something that I was really proud of. We've left no stone unturned and a very thorough look into the region and what it means for the business moving forward. Anyone else that deserves a shout out for that operation taking place? 
Oh, look, for sure. Um, yeah, there's there's one guy that we need to mention. <laughs> yes, look, uh, site manager extraordinaire Greg Ferguson is uh, <laughs> out, out there at the moment running the big project and uh, loving every minute of it, I believe. Chris Dixon from Robson Civil Projects, proud naming rights partner of The Perfect Ten. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. Next up, Kerry Pothast, OAM, gold medalist from Sydney 2000 in the beach volleyball. One of the greatest sporting events this nation has ever seen. Along with her teammate, Natalie Cook, it was one of the great moments of the Sydney 2000 Olympics. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time on The Perfect Ten. Listener.